Sisters, thank you so much for tuning back in to Sit Still with Sierra. I'm very excited for this episode because I'm always excited when I have guests come on and sit still with me. This is the second installment of the Healing from Church Hurt series, and I thought it was important to have a professional, licensed therapist on to speak from an expert opinion. And so I had Phaedra Smith on, and I just want to tell you a little bit about her. Smith has a bachelor's and master's of science in family youth and community sciences, and a master's in psychology and counseling. In 2018, she started her private practice, Greenhouse Counseling, specializing in working with individuals that need a safe space to heal and grow from big T and little t traumas. Smith says one of her greatest joys in the industry is being able to see hurting people healed, the impossible become possible, and the broken become beautifully put back together again. It was such an honor to speak with her and pick her brain, and I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Happy listening! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sit Still with Sierra. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I am very excited whenever I have guests on, and I'm super excited for this guest. I was able to work with her and meet her um, virtually, of course, um, for a previous project that I worked on for Well and Good Publication. So I'm very excited to have Phaedra Smith sit down and talk with me. So Phaedra, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for choosing to sit still with me for this episode and to take on um, this topic, which I know can be really difficult for some. I, again, I've been following your work. We've worked together before on a piece. And so I reached out to you a few weeks ago and I thought that you'd be a really good fit for this topic. And for those that are just tuning in, maybe for the first time, or you're maybe unaware of what's happening, um, I'm actually doing a Healing from Church Hurt series. And so this is the second installment of the series. And today we want to dig into the mental health side. And so I thought it was very important to have a professional on, to have someone that can really speak to the mental health um, side of church hurt and how that impacts us. And I want to give the floor over to Phaedra with some questions and just have her expertise kind of carry this conversation. Um, So again, if you are just tuning in for the first time, this is the second episode of the series. And so maybe you can go back if you'd like. Um, The previous episode, I talked about service abuse and kind of shared my own story with dealing with that within the church. And so I just want to kick off this conversation and maybe circle back a little bit to last week. Um, I just want to start off by asking you, Phaedra, can you speak to some of the mental health issues that service abuse can create? Again, I'm hoping that people go back and listen to the first episode, but can you kind of just um, maybe give your opinion from from an expert standpoint on some of the mental health issues that comes with that? So um, the examples that I gave from the previous episode was I shared how I only felt valuable from certain church members um, if I was helping them or if I was always doing something for them. And if I wasn't, then they didn't really pay me any attention or treated me differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's an excellent example. I think another example is it goes back to identifying love and confusing that love and boundaries Mm-hmm. saying when to say no. And then when I say no, what is that no defined as? Am I defining it or who's defining it? And are, is it being defined um, by my, my spiritual morals or how faith-based I am or how in love with God, Jesus I am? Um, who's dictating righteousness for me? And so I, I, I believe just working in 
the industry I'm in with mental health, a great majority of the clients I see struggle with some sort of spiritual hurt or misconception of what it looks like to follow Christ and also take care of themselves mental health wise. So um, some of the things I see uh, specifically is the definitions of what what love looks like, um, what being a Christian looks like, um, what saying no means. So really defining all those things and having to break it down with them to really help them to go back and say, where do you get that definition from? Who told you those things? Where, where is that fact based from? And so if you say it's biblical or someone told you it's biblical, then let's open up the Bible and let's see. Absolutely. I really like how you put that um, with defining terms, because as I've had conversations with people that have or are currently still going through church hurt um, and just dealing with that trauma, I know we use a lot of terminology sometimes that's just like casual to us. And so Christian is a term that's just thrown around so loosely and you really have to ask the person like, well, what do you really mean by, by definition? What do you mean by Christian? Because my definition of what it means to be a follower of Christ could very be very vast and very different from the next person. So I think that's really important. Um, and I really like how you mentioned defining love because I, I can definitely um, relate to that in the sense of I really wanted people to like me and accept me. And I really wanted to feel loved by, you know, people that were members of my church. And so I thought that, oh, you know, saying yes to them every single time they asked was a testament of my love to them and vice versa. When really it's like, if they're only valuing me or if they're only speaking to me when they need something from me, that definitely isn't love. Like not at all. <laughs> so I really like the way you put that. Um, now the pandemic has definitely rewired every single part of our lives. It's changed everything from school to work to social interaction and including church. And a lot of the things that churches did out of tradition or things that we were accustomed to doing just because we're in church, a lot of those things became undone. Um, and so <laughs> it's kind of weird how seeing now we thought that so many things were necessary, but the pandemic showed that they weren't necessarily necessary. So can you, I just want to discuss this for a minute, like um, taking inventory of church and what is actually necessary to our salvation versus what is just man-made rituals. Do you want to just break that's, that down? That's good. You calling out my theological expertise, <laughs> which, um, honestly, I think I'm, I'm super blessed to be at a church where we are taught from a theological standpoint, we get that experience because a lot of people aren't, um, and, and not that the Holy Spirit can't lead you and guide you and teach you. Um, but oftentimes we grow up um, especially being from African-American churches, sometimes we, um, and I guess, honestly, it could be any church, but I only can speak from my experience um, and from the experience of a lot of my clients is we don't grow up fully understanding the word. Like a lot of, a lot of us did not open the Bibles except for Sundays mm -hmm. and really get a proper under understanding um, of what actually God says versus what the preacher says. And so I think a lot of 
traditional African-American churches, um, the preacher kind of like took the role of God in some ways or, you know, and Mm so, um, so it was whatever the preacher or the leaders said was important, then that was fact, that was law. And it got blended with what is biblically right and wrong. And so um, I no longer believe that I have to go to church every Sunday in order to be saved or a Christian or believer. I now desire to go to church and serve Mm. because it is where my heart is and I really love it. And I love my church family and I actually get fulfillment and joy, which is, you know, comes from God. And it gives me that strength that I need to move forward. And it's something I'm passionate about, but duty over desire is huge, right? God does not want us to do anything out of necessarily I'm just doing it to check it off the list. Doesn't even want us to like give money because he wants it to come from our hearts. And so that's, that has to be a heart change. And so I would say the, the biggest difference is you, you should ask yourself, am I doing this out of obligation or is it coming from, from my heart? So is this a man-made behavioral thing or is this a desire? And is this, this is have spiritual implications. And so I would say going to church every Sunday and um, uh, reading my Bible all the time and praying, all those things are great. And all those things are necessary. But it, again, where, where is this, where is this kind of desire? Where is this birth from duty or desire? And so I think a lot, a lot really kind of looking at our intentions and saying, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to please the pastor and the leaders? Or am I doing this because this is something that my heart really does desire? And I feel like I'm doing this to build up the kingdom. That's at the end of the day, that's what we have to really be cognizant of, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those ones when we meet Jesus and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And then you're like, oh, but I did this and I was doing that. And I went to church every Sunday and I read my Bible. And, I did. and he's like, uh, but you didn't do my father's will. You were doing, you know, uh, Pastor Smith will, or you were doing, you know, like such and such as will, or you would like, that wasn't, I don't know who you are. So check, get, keeping a check on your heart. Like that's so important. That, that is so good. Like, <laughs> Drop the mic right there. Like I could end the podcast right there. That's so good. Duty over desire. And it's so, it's so funny that you even um, took that route or took that approach to the topic, because that is something that I have like going to therapy the past few months. That is a huge thing that I've been talking about with like, um, I, I hate to use the word deconstructing, but deconstructing from like these just normal ritual and these normal things that we heard growing up um, in church and never really I'm a naturally curious person, but there are certain things that like just growing up in church, you just take it as fact. And like you said, you're trusting your leader, you're trusting your pastor, you're trusting whoever to be telling you the truth and to be telling you um, accurate biblical information. And so sometimes we never even stop to 
to ask ourselves, is this really what God is saying? Or is this what man is saying? Is this really what God wants me to be doing? Or is this what man is asking and requiring of me? And so that distinction is so important. And I think that for a lot of people who were at home every single Sunday watching online versus being in person, um, that really was a defining moment for a lot of people to where it's like, okay, I don't have to usher this Sunday. I don't have to work in the nursery. I just get to experience church for what it is. Like some people didn't go back. Some people don't know how to function with literally going to church for the right reason with their heart being in the right place and it not being about, well, I have to work or I have to perform or I have to seek the approval of my pastor by always saying yes. That is really important is making sure that your heart posture is correct. Um, Mm -hmm. And that that's a huge part of being healed from church hurt because you, you come to find out that yes, the trauma that was inflicted upon you is not your fault, but then there's the other side, which is what I kind of talked about last episode is also taking personal responsibility. Like, are you only doing things to please people and to, to um, be labeled a certain way? Or are you saying yes, because your heart is in the right place of wanting to please God? That is, right. that is so important. I didn't know if there was something yeah. else you wanted to add. Um, I think, I think also we have to realize that our leaders are human also. And so with that being said, they're going to go through hard times. They're going to go through feeling like times where they're desperate. Um, so you have to also, number one, realize that God is not different from them for them than he is for you. So he's not going to, God is not going to make up something out of nowhere that he can't, that he won't confirm for you. And that is already not, that's already, um, that, that's not confirmed in the word of God. So there should be no new laws or, or things that like you didn't know about, like everything is in, is written. So everything should be a confirmation. And so, um, I also said they're human because if I don't have God for myself and I don't read the word for myself, then that human also can manipulate me or shame me or um, do things that are painful or confusing to me. And if I don't like have my own, which, which by the way, I don't know if everybody knows this, but this as a believer, like Jesus died on the cross and we all have access to the Holy Spirit. So like, we don't have to go through a certain leader to get access to God. We have the same access. So there should be no brand new information that only the pastor or a leader gets that you don't have access or opportunity to get. And so taking a moment to pause and allow God to tell you or confirm for you also is absolutely necessary. And so um, I I really feel like some of this church hurt and the separation, it it comes and it's not necessarily from the the person, it's from our disconnect with God. Mm -hmm. Like, have I heard from God or am I just hearing from man and then when I get hurt or rejected or confused or manipulated am I now putting that on to God causing me to question is God real or is it all worth it or um or I hear a lot of people say you know you can't trust people in the church well listen the people in the church are people in the world like we're supposed to look different but not everybody just like I just I just said 
like Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Not everybody that calls themselves a believer is, is a believer. There's a, I've learned that there's many types of Christianity out here and not all of them are biblical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Basically like ask God. And I feel like sometimes we take that, that tool that's so easy to do. We take it for granted. Um, and we don't, it's a tool that we underutilize. It's like, if, if God is saying something to one person, then you can ask him to confirm it for you as well. I love that there's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. He's not looking like, okay, pastors are up here and then discipleship leaders are here. And then the parishioners are at the very bottom. No, there is no hierarchy. If God is on the inside of you and he's on the inside of me, then we shouldn't be at odds to what God, with what God is saying. It should be confirmed for us individually it should be yeah. it shouldn't be that we're all at odds with one another and that was something huge that when I was in the process of leaving my previous church and kind of just really going through it last year um, and meeting with different leaders and pastors and it's like they trusted the Holy Spirit and they trusted the God on the inside of me when I was doing things for them but when I started speaking up about certain things then it was well are you really hearing from God and that is a huge red flag that is a huge tool of manipulation, like you mentioned earlier, that is manipulation to basically try and make people question, well, are you sure you're hearing from God or do you really have God on the inside of you? Um, that is something that I had to work through. And that is something that, like you said, don't blame God for what man did. But when I was in the initial stage of processing all of that, I was very angry. I remember being in therapy at the beginning of this year, just so angry. I'm like, where was God in the middle of this? Where was God in the middle of my confusion? Or where was God in the middle of me hearing teaching that wasn't sound or, um, you know, just like theologically accurate? Like, where was God in the middle of this? And having to come to terms with the fact that God was always there. But that doesn't mean that man is going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that man is always going to be accurate. That doesn't mean any of that. So I think it is very important to establish the difference between what God represents and what he says versus what man represents and what they say, which kind of leads That's me so to cool. my next, leads me to the next, um, I guess, question that I have for you. Um, just talking to people that I know, um, having conversations in my family um, and seeing so many different people going through church hurt in this season, um, I have seen many different stages. Uh, I would say that it's kind of like with grieving. It, it is a form of grieving, like leaving behind the church that you maybe spent so many years at. There is a level of grief and processing that goes into that. Um, you know, I've gone from anger to disbelief, to shock, to denial, to forgiveness, to now being on this path to where I'm really getting healed from it. Um, but for those that are still in the disbelief and shock stage of it all, um, where they've been, when they have been hurt from different religious settings and they're kind of in disbelief of what they've experienced, what would you say to those individuals trying to come to terms with their experiences? I would say what John 16 and 33 says, um, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think we have to realize that. I think a lot of us as believers are expecting life to not look like there's going to be pain or struggles, but Jesus never promised that he actually told us the opposite. He said, you will have these things happen to you. And so when, when, when Peter denied Christ and, you know, 
fell, even though he was like, I would never, I walk with you. You're my friend. Like I would never deny you when we fall. These things don't take God by surprise. He's not in heaven being like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that one coming. Like, you know, he, he knew it. And so I would say, realize that your father knows you, but just like a, a parent, sometimes we have to allow our children to fall or sometimes the falls are actually where we learn the lessons. Those are the, those are the areas that help us to, to grow stronger. And now I become a pillar for someone else. I become a testimony for someone else so that when that next person gets hurt, I can say, Hey, like, listen to my story. And this is how I connected even deeper with God, because he said, my grace is sufficient. I'll, I'll never leave or forsake you. And so, and knowing that nothing surprises or catches God off guard, then I would say, let me sit back and kind of like Job at the end of Job. And he was like, oh man, I'm just summarizing it. But like, wow, I, I can't believe that. I, I, I never even thought about the fact that there's a, there's a purpose in my pain. These things aren't just happening for no reason. So what I would say to people that have been hurt and they're in shock right now is to take heart, is that your father has not left you. He's not unaware. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So leave that alone. Let him deal with that. Um, but also to not miss the point. Someone told me that one time I was going through something. She said, don't miss the point. What's the point in this? If God uses, take, takes takes what the enemy meant for my bad and he can he turns it around for my good and for his glory then my prayer now should be not why did this happen but lord what do you what do you need me to do with this what next who should i talk to and uh once i get through this this pain it's not not that it won't hurt but he he won't leave you he has he gave us the holy spirit as our comforter so he's not going to leave you that doesn't mean we won't feel things I also think that the the stuff we feel a lot of time it's um it's so good that he allows us to feel it because it kind of shows us what's there in our hearts also, right? Mm-hmm. So if oh yeah if I get if I get hurt and I'm so devastated and I and and it brings up the feeling of rejection or all these things that possibly were already there and I was already struggling with possibly from childhood stuff. I believe that like God also uses that as a form to say, Hey, see, this is still here because it goes deeper than the pastor. See, this is related to your father and this is related to this and that. And so we have these connections that God can now use to say, Hey, this was already here. And I allowed this to happen so that we can clean this up. So that's so good. That's so good. And I like everything you're saying, my life has been like evidence of everything that you you're saying the past just nine months have been evidence to everything that you've said where, um, where when I first started realizing like how hurt I was from church and from my experiences, I was like, God, why did you let this happen? Or God, why did I go through that? And it's like, I'm asking out of anger, but he really does answer you. It's like, I, not that this does not represent who I am, but I'm going to take this situation that, like you said, was meant for evil. And I'm going to turn it around for good. You're going to be different on the other side of it. Once you're healed from it, you're not going to be the same. And so it, I really say that healing is my healing is like an unraveling. Like as you unravel one layer of healing, another layer and another layer and another layer, and you see all the dots 
and your life started to connect to where it's like, no, like you said, it's not just about the pastor that hurt you, or it's not just about these people at church that did you wrong. It, it all connects with these different um, issues that you face. You may not even realize that you endure. That is another thing that I talked about last week with talking about service abuse. It wasn't just about me feeling like people only said, um, people only paid attention to me when I said yes. It also stemmed all the way back to being you know, a nine, a 10 and 11 year old who started developing self-esteem issues because I only felt liked, or I only felt, felt valuable if I was doing something for someone. So like you said, there's layers to it. There, there are these connecting dots. And so I'm just so grateful that God in the midst of all the chaos that goes on in our lives in the midst of all of the hurt that people cause us, God is still able to take something out of it and bring healing, not only for ourselves, but for other people on the, uh, on the other side of our freedom. You know, as I share my story on the podcast, my prayer is that people don't just listen to it and be like, wow, I wonder what church she went to, or wow, I wonder who that is that she's talking about. Cause that's not the point. The point is not for me to name drop a church or name drop people, but my hope and, and doing this and having you on and talking with different people is that on the other side of it, people will realize that you don't have to be bound to what happened. You don't have to be bound to who hurt you. You can be free. You can, you can overcome church hurt. It may seem like right now in the moment you can't because it's so heavy, and because you feel like, you know, these are people that you you trust more than the average person, more than your coworkers, more than your peers at school, because of how close knit um, church community usually is. You're very vulnerable. You share, you know, your experiences. And so there is that a deeper level of hurt when those people at church fail you. But I want people listening to this to know that you don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to stay in your level of trauma. You don't have to stay in your level of hurt. There's freedom on the other side of it. Um, now that again, it all segues into what I kind of want to talk about next, which is there are people that are going through shock and disbelief, like we just mentioned. There are people that are dealing with anger. There are people dealing with unforgiveness. And there are some people that have just given up on church altogether. And, you know, this past year, I've really been able to empathize with people that have given up on church altogether. I still attend church know my experience with dealing with church hurt did not drive me away from church completely, but I do empathize with those that have left church altogether because of whatever maybe level of abuse they suffered or just having really bad encounters with church people. Um, can you just, if you have any words of wisdom, maybe if you were pretending this was a patient in your office, like what would you say to that person that has given up altogether on church? Um. I would say, number one, if you're, if a family member hurt you um, or disappointed you, are you going to say, I give up on family altogether? Um, If someone did you wrong on the job and you were disappointed or lied to, are you going to give up on all jobs altogether? I think it's really easy for the enemy to trick us into getting rid of the very thing that Jesus said was necessary, which were each other as believers. So again, having an, a realistic expectation of what believers are, we are all sinners, right? And so I do think that there are unhealthy churches, absolutely. But what we're really saying is 
they're unhealthy people. And those people are everywhere and our families and our jobs and our communities and our, you know, all of these places. And so if I'm running away from everything, then that, that kind of leaves me alone, which is exactly where the devil wants me isolated, Mm -hmm. depressed, you know, desolate. And so I would then say, first of all, pray about it in all things. I got to I have to go to God first and he's, he's gonna, he, he'll tell us to leave situations also. Like he also, he, he, Holy Spirit leads and, and guides us. And so there are situations that we're not supposed to be in, whether that be within a certain group of friend, friends or family members, there are situations that are unhealthy for us, including some churches, but I, again, don't miss the purpose and the pain. And also I'm going to go where the Holy Spirit leads me and I'm going to leave when he tells me to leave. And so that does not mean leave church because it does not make sense for God to not call us to a small bodies of, of communities of churches, because we are, we are the church, the big church also, right? I don't have to go to your church to be a part of the church because we are all a part of the body of Christ. That is the church. So I believe that church is community and community is necessary. And, and not just random people in the community, but people that believe in the same thing I believe in that, that knows what sin is and, and knows what uh, temptation is and that they're able to like help me walk through the walk through life to, um, with each other and we can sharpen each other. And so um, what I would say is, just because I get sick off of one thing at Chick-fil-A, I'm not going to abandon all fast food restaurants. <laughs> right. So that's what I'm like. It, it's, we have to really be thoughtful about this. Like the enemy really plays tricks on our, on our minds. And, and, and if we're, we have to be thoughtful about what is really going on. So I'll say that, um, don't give up. Number one, don't give up on God, but number two, um, there's a purpose in, in church, just like there's a purpose in some, in, in our pain. And, um, and so you, you find, you find you a good body of believers that you can develop relationships with, even knowing that even within that healthy culture at that church, there's going to be people that are unhealthy and there's going to be people that make mistakes. And so the real issue is trusting people, which again, most likely did not start with that church. So really letting God dig into that and break down those walls and really help lead you through that is going to be so, so very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love how you said um, purpose over pain. And we really have to put that back in order. Like our pain can't dictate all of our decision-making and we can't allow our feelings to dictate all of our decision-making. If we based everything off of how we feel, we would be nowhere. Um, And so it is important that we think rationally, like think about it from the perspective of what is like the devil probably having a heyday, having a parade at the fact that so many people um, have made up their minds to throw away church altogether because of maybe one or maybe several bad experiences. The whole point is that 
we are meant to do life by ourselves. Like we need community, like even just working from home sometimes it's like, okay, I'm tired of, you know, being the only one here working from home. Like I'd prefer to be in an office with people or when you're doing school on zoom, it's like, wow, I miss traditional classroom, like seeing my friends or whatever. Like we need people around us. I think that if there's nothing else that we've learned from this past like 18, 19 months is that being isolated and not being with each other, there are so many, it's very detrimental. Like we are meant to be together. And as believers, as Christians, however you identify, if you don't necessarily call yourself a Christian, maybe you call yourself a follower of Christ, we are meant to do this together. And it is a level of risk with being in a church because there are people, like you said, Phaedra, there are people they are just people. You don't magically level up to a, a new level of humanity because you are a Christian. Like people are still human. They're going to fail you. They're going to make you upset. They're going to let you down. But that can't be the determining factor of whether we are going to go to church. It's not. And so that is a hard pill to swallow. And I know that maybe not everyone that's listening to this right now may be in a state to where they feel ready to get back in there and give it their all and try out more churches again. And I have grace and I have empathy for you. If you're that person right now listening, that is just like, you know what? I don't feel like I'm ready yet to put myself back in that environment or to trust people in that regard again. That's that's fair. That's fine. I completely understand that. But please don't let one experience or don't let some experiences with people generalize every experience that you can have with church and with people. I didn't know if you wanted to add something else. No, I, I think that, 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 that is great. And I also think making sure you get the help you need to uh, recover because there has to, we have to leave room for repair. Like that's so important, whether that means I go to those couple people and because that's also what the Bible tells us to do is to not let offense just set in and um, don't let, you know, the sun go down on your, your wrath, your anger. That really just means don't let anger like create roots in your heart. Like don't let it sit so long because that gives the enemy the footstool that he needs to just climb on in there. And now he got you looking at everybody funny. So again, we have to be very, that's part of that guarding our heart, like guarding from offense and saying, you know what, this is how God told me, this is what the word says to do to guard my heart, which is go to that person. That doesn't mean put blocks up, put walls up. That means go to that person, guard your heart from the enemy. That's what he's saying, not from people. So go to that person and saying, hey, you know, that, that really offended me or that hurt my feelings. Remembering, and I was just talking to somebody about this, is sometimes like, I don't know about you, but I don't, I I get tired of apologies. I don't care about an apology. What I'm looking for is repentance, Mm. that change. Remembering that change, true change can only happen from God. And if that person does not have God, then we're looking for something they cannot give us. So managing our expectations. I'm not going to that person because I'm looking for an apology or I'm looking for any of these things. I'm going to that person because that's what God told me to do in order to guard my heart from offense. And so that's what I do. And that's how part of that healing does start is by being obedient to God, despite the way I feel. So there's um, uh, one of these, the saying that my church always says, it says, uh, let choices lead and feelings follow. 
our our choices have to dictate our life and not our feelings. Our feelings might catch up at, at some point, but I've got to choose to forgive. I've got to choose to go to that person. I've got to choose to do these things. I've got to choose to not give up on God. Um, why? Because it's necessary. Because I'm not just living for today. I'm living for eternity. That's why it's necessary. 1,000%. 1,000%. And I can even speak to that. Um when I'm when I talked about service abuse last episode, and I did mention I didn't name drop, but I did mention, um, you know, my I told my story and shared my experience. But it was important for me that before I released that episode to actually go to the people that I was offended by still, or the people that had hurt me in childhood, and and have a conversation with them. And um, that has been probably one of the most rewarding things out of this whole experience is. I, I was honest and I was transparent with how they made me feel. And I, and I still offered them grace because I'm like, you know what, you may have done this to me, but it's a cycle. Someone was probably doing that to you as well. Maybe there was someone higher up that was treating you disposably, um, treating you disposable and only paying you attention when you were helping them. And in turn, you were doing the same thing to me, but I thought it was so important to not just talk about people that have hurt me or not just talk about what happened, but to actually go to them, actually have a conversation, actually open up dialogue because people may hurt you unintentionally. They may not even be aware that they have hurt you. So it's not, you know, don't just assume that people have hurt you and they did it intentionally and they're aware of how they've made you feel. It is important that if you really want to be free and if you really want to truly heal through church hurt is you have to be open to having hard conversations because sometimes it is hard. It's hard to go to someone and be like, Hey, you hurt me, but I'm telling you, it is worth it. Whether they apologize or not, there's freedom for you and expressing that. And, and God can do all the healing, whether they apologize or not. I am grateful that they did apologize, but whether they would have apologized or not, the goal for me was not to get them to apologize. It was to be honest and transparent and to allow God to do the healing that he needed to do, allow God to um, be the one that put the healing mark on that situation. And he did. And I'm so grateful for that. So if you're listening to this and you may have people in mind that may have offended you, pray about how to go about it, pray about how to have a conversation with them or how to be transparent. If that's something that you're open and willing to do, because I'm telling you that really has been the biggest, um, piece of freedom for me is having conversations with people and, and letting it go, honestly, truly letting it go, being okay with the fact that they may or may not apologize, but letting it go and letting that offense not fester and take root in my heart is so important because, you know, while you're, while you may be holding a grudge against someone and they don't even know it, they're, they're going on, they're living their life. They're not thinking about you, but you're sitting there and you're letting unforgiveness and anger to fester in your heart and you're not walking in freedom. And that kind of segues way into my last point, which is I don't want people to just listen to this um, and be like, okay, now what do I do? I want people to have practical tips of things that they can do to help them achieve freedom and achieve healing. That's the whole goal. Um, and so, like I just shared, the biggest thing for me that has helped is being transparent with my experiences. Um, now, for those that may not be in a position to confront those that have hurt them, um, what are some practical things that you think that they can do to achieve freedom if it's not necessarily talking to them? Um, I would say number one, from a, a biblical perspective is 
to um, not let the hurt from man block the healing from God. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't let the hurt from man block the healing from God. And how do we do that? We do that by letting offense set in and letting it grow roots. And the devil starts to have you questioning your faith and God's existence and how much he loves you, how much he cares, uh, because if he cared, then why would this happen and all that? So then all of the questions start that, by the way, never get answered because you blocked off church, right? So they don't get answered by the people because we are put in each other's lives to help bring healing. Mm -hmm. And I actually have to get the healing from the source of hurt. And if I'm blocked that, if I block that off, then that's a big problem for me. So um, I would, I would also say the biggest thing that I think we should, we should say is making sure you really understand the gospel, right? You understand what did Jesus come here for? He came here for our salvation. Um, a lot of people think he came here so that we can get, you know, get rich and be all this stuff. And, but no, he came here to save our souls. So if you don't know who God is and you don't know, um, you know, if you haven't said the sinner's prayer where you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he rose again um, on the third day um, and that you don't have to do anything to get to heaven, right? Like all you have to do is accept the free gift that he gave, which is him dying on the cross for your sins and realize you can't do it on your own. We need him. I think those are the, that's the most important thing to walk in healing because now we go back to what I said in the beginning. Now your heart starts to change. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm now, even when I'm hurt because my desires are rooted in Christ and not in man, healing is going to happen anyways, even though man disappoints me. And so um, that would be the first thing. Secondly is I would really do what you said. I would go to that person and talk to them, realizing that forgiveness and you talking to that person does not always look like reconciliation. Those aren't the same things. So me coming to you and, and letting you know that's for my freedom. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that we're going to, we're going to reconcile and I'm going to come back to your church. That's for my freedom so that I can continue to walk in Christ and go to another church. Right. So, um, so having boundaries, having a healthy perspective of who God is, knowing what your Bible actually says, understanding it is very important. Um, going to therapy, talking to other believers that are sound in their theology and not just repeating what another person told them, but they actually know the Bible. Those are all ways to be able to walk in freedom and in healing. Um, the most important thing is don't isolate yourself, allow um, God to really take that pain and use it for a purpose for your good. been such an awesome conversation, so powerful. I know that people listen to this and that there will be freedom in it. I thank you so much for joining me. Um, before we sign off, where can listeners find your work? Where can they support you? Instagram is G House um counseling um and you can but you can look up greenhouse counseling on instagram or facebook um my website is ghcpensacola.com 
And so I try to put like free tidbits on social media. And so that's also a really good way, you know, following people that are sound in their thinking and their beliefs um, and just picking up on tip, you know, tidbits they put out for free. It's also really a really awesome way to kind of keep up on just mental health and also just sound theology also. Awesome. Thank you so much again for sitting still with me and thank you all for listening to this episode. I can't wait to come back in two weeks and see who I have, who I have on next and to continue this Healing from Church series. I will talk to you all in the next episode. Bye.